welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. Uh, that's a hot take. That's a scorching take. Uh, I'm not afraid to be bold, though. Thriving, surviving, and watching Rutgers football. There's nothing to respect about Rutgers. You know what? It's pain, but we look good while we do it, man. Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Indianapolis, Indiana. We are recording this on the afternoon of Tuesday, April 21st, 2020, just a couple days before the NFL draft. The NFL world and the college football world collide in kind of a spectacular fashion, and it's one of the only things related to sports we've got going on right now, aside from uh, the Michael Jordan documentary series on ESPN and, I guess, replays, and that's about it, so... We're all in on the NFL draft. That's all we got to care about. And we've got a perfect show for you today. We've got some great guests. We've got a lot of discussion, and we're ready to talk draft. So joining me, as always, in Nashville, Tennessee, is Reed Murray. Reed, what's up? Uh, Not too much. Just happy to be recording once again, putting out some more content. Indeed. And joining us in New Jersey, Griffin Healy. Griffin, what's going on? I am currently chilling. The weather has been crazy, but again, I am living the dream recording with you guys. And joining us for the first time, uh, a friend of ours. We met him in Bloomington over the summer. Uh, we've been planning this episode uh, for a while. It's been in the works. He is the number one NFL mock draft guy. He was the host of his own NFL mock draft podcast, Mockers Delights. Joining us from somewhere in greater Chicago is our good friend, Seth Engel. Seth, what's going on? What's up? I had like seven bowls of cereal this morning. Not feeling too good right now, but I'm ready to mock and feel better. (laughs) That's good to hear. All right, yeah, we met Seth, like I said. uh, Three of us all met him over the summer in Bloomington at uh, uh, the IU High School Journalism Institute. Seth will be attending Penn State University this fall, so... Uh, I'm sure we'll get some Nittany Lion talk in uh, here and, you know, maybe later in the season, uh, if we get a football season, knock on wood, uh, about Penn State football. So uh, we're glad to have you, Seth, and let's get started. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right. So I think we should start from the top. Let's start in the top 10 and maybe not talk about Big Ten players in specific, but what is your top 10 right now? Who are your top 10 guys? And just give a little bit on each of them, and uh, I'll just let you have the floor. All right, so when I made this mock, I just want to talk about, like, just the whole process of doing this. So it's been, like, this is probably, like, my 12th or 13th over the course of this year. Um, And about a month ago, I started doing them with trades because things, like, right after the combine, like, things are more set in stone, more rumors coming out. Um, So that's, like, this, this is one that has trades in it, just letting you know. Um, so the first time I did this for this mock a few days ago, I was just all over the place, like 10, 11 trades in the first pl- in the first round. It was just going crazy. And like, I just want to mention this draft itself is just going to be extremely unpredictable. Like I'm going to, I'm going to say things here. Like, this is what I predict will happen, but like, I know for a fact, like things are going to get shaken up. It's going to be crazy. And there are a bunch of smoke screens flying around. Um, so after like two or three days being stuck on pick 17, 
I was able to polish everything. And actually, I went back and did the whole thing over again. Kept going back and forth on each on each pick. Um, so now we're here. Um, don't have as many trades as I had before, but um, actually, there's only one in the first in the first top in the first ten. So let's get into it. First pick, um, Joe Burrow. I, I think there's no question to that right now. Same with Chase Young at number two to Washington. These are both players that I think. I mean, we've known for months now that this, that the top two is pretty much set. And we're hearing the rumors now, like, oh, like Washington's hearing for trades for number two. Like, like that's kind of bullshit, in my opinion. Um, I think Chase Young is – he might be the best player um, in the past five years. Like, I think he has the potential to be the best player in the NFL um, if he stays healthy um is a lebron james type of pick here uh you just can't that's what that's what i'm thinking with young too sorry to interrupt you but uh the stuff we saw from him and i think you heard this from me and from reed and from griffin all season long at ohio state it was the stuff of legend i mean he was getting double triple teamed in some of these games like that big 10 championship against wisconsin i remember sitting in lucas oil stadium with reed and we're like chase young's not having a huge game uh but then we saw the tape later and it turns out yeah, they were putting like three offensive linemen on him at a time. And even if even the best of the best, you know, defensive line prospects, like the Jadavian mm-hmm. Clownies of the world, like not even they're getting triple teams like that often. And that's what we saw with Chase Young all season. This guy is a special player. And I would I would argue, too, he might be the most talented player we've seen in five, ten years. Yeah, I mean, you look at Ohio State, too, um, who had both of the Bosa's in the past few years, but. I mean, this is a guy where you watch him this year and you're like, he's better than both of them. Like, I think just, I just think he's going to be insane mm-hmm. um, and he's going to be able to make an impact right away. So that's just a can't miss prospect. And I really hope Washington doesn't trade that pick because um, they need someone like that. They need a spark to revive the franchise. And I think Chase Young's the perfect guy to do that. All right. So moving along now. Yeah, um, I agree. Number three, Detroit. This is definitely a pick that could get traded um it's just a means of who's willing to trade up for three what are you going to get at three it would most likely be a quarterback um but now we're hearing more news that teams are unhappy with Tua um, worried about his injuries so I'm not too sure sure about that right now also because Miami apparently loves Herbert um so I have Detroit keeping this pick taking Jeff Okuda Extremely safe pick as well. Um, in my opinion, best corner prospect since Jalen Ramsey. Uh, so this is a, you know, this is another like can't miss prospect. I think he's going to be great as well. Extremely consistent, tough. Um, not much to dislike there. Yeah, I agree with you on Akuda, And I think later on, I want to talk about all the Ohio State players. Not all the Ohio State, but uh, more like, kind of in-depth thing on Ohio State because they've got so many guys in this draft. And uh, Reed, I know you have an opinion on this. Sorry to go off topic a little bit, but Ohio State, is it the DBU, Reed? Um, yeah, I remember we were talking about this uh, a little bit earlier before we started recording. I think Ohio State is DBU. I think there's no doubt that DBU is either Ohio State or LSU. But just at least in the past 10 years, I think you got to give it to Ohio State because – it seems like almost every year they produce quality prospect after quality prospect. You look at it in this draft, you got 
um, I would say the best DB in Jeff Okuda and one that you agree with me. You agree with me on this one, Patrick, that Damon Arnett is a very slept on player. Um, I think he's the most these underrated two, player in the draft. Maybe not the most, but he's up there. Yeah, these are two really uh, talented uh, prospects. And it really reminds me of the, the, those two people, uh, Arnett and Okuda, being uh, being in the field at the same time for a high of the season. It reminds me a lot of a few years ago when it was Malik Hooker and Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, Marshawn Lattimore having their breakout seasons at the same time. And I think if you just look at the talent that Ohio State's produced, uh, you can go all the way back to Malcolm Jenkins, but in more recent years, Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Cooker, Garyon Conley, et cetera. I think you got to give Ohio State the DBU title. But, I mean, I, I think if you're going to start talking about Florida, Florida State, Texas, get out of here. It's either Ohio State or LSU. I think it's a toss-up between them, but – if I had to choose one, I'd say Ohio State. Yeah. I saw Texas making DBU t-shirts, and that is just – State still has a bunch of really good defensive backs on the roster right now. Uh, I think there are a few guys who you could argue are going to be talents yet again. Yeah. Yep. All right. So let's get back into it. Number four. Now we have uh, the giants. This is another pick that could potentially be traded. Um, I do believe they're going to keep it though. And I think they're going to go with an O lineman. We still, we have Isaiah Simmons available at number four here, um, which could be tempting, but I think that the giants are going to go with Jedrick Wills. Um, I think they like the Alabama offensive line system. And while he may not be the best O-lineman on my board um, or the most athletic, he fits the giant system well. Um, and I think if they take any of these top four O-linemen at number four, like we've even been hearing, we've been hearing that Andrew Thomas could potentially be the first O-lineman taking. Um, I think it's a safe pick no matter who it is. Any of the top four O-linemen here, um, protect Daniel Jones. Um, it's just a good move for their future. Yeah, so I'm curious, Seth, who is your number one offensive lineman? So on my board, I, you know, it's a little, it's flipping between Becton and Wirfs. I just love their size and their athleticism for their size. Um, like it's hard when you're 330 pounds like Tristan Wirfs and you're running these crazy 40 times, like that's insane. And like Becton's footwork, um, his strength is just amazing. So I believe that those are um, probably the two O-linemen with the most upside. But then again, Jedrick Wills might be the safest pick, in my opinion. Um, Andrew Thomas, too. Like, you just really can't go wrong here at the offensive linemen. Yeah, Worf's, of course, a product of Iowa. And Iowa, for years, has been producing offensive linemen. And really, that whole Big Ten West, you've been seeing – or not the whole Big Ten West, but there have been a lot of good offensive linemen coming out of that half of the conference, mostly out of – Iowa and out of Wisconsin. So I think when you're getting offensive line product from either of those schools, you can be pretty confident in it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, I should five. also oh. mention, all right, actually we'll get into that later. Once I get to Warps. Cool. All right. Number five. I just have more on him. All right. So number five, Miami is going to take a quarterback where I, we're hearing more and more that it's going to be Justin Herbert. So I have Miami taking Justin Herbert. I think Tua is 
the most um, talented quarterback in this class, including Joe Burrow. I think there are just like tons of red flags surrounding his injuries. Um, and scouts know that there have been teams that have just completely taken him off their board. Um, so I think, I think Miami's going to take Justin Herbert here. Um, just a smart, quick quarterback, a lot of potential. He's just a, a guy that you want to lead your team. He's kind of like an Andrew Luck um, with that, just that football IQ that he has um, would just be great for any team. Yeah. And I think with Justin Herbert, an aspect, a lot of people kind of overlook and you mentioned he's quick. Uh, yeah, this guy, he can run in uh that Wisconsin game in the Rose bowl. That was, I had watched him play before, of course, but that was the first time I'd really sat down and watched him play like an entire game. He didn't really impress me with how he threw, but I knew that was because Wisconsin was kind of prepping for that, but he ran the ball really well. I think he had two or three rushing touchdowns against Wisconsin. I could be wrong, but uh, mm-hmm. without his running ability, they're not winning that Rose Bowl against Wisconsin. Yeah, he's just a really good fit for uh, today's NFL quarterback. And I think there were, I mean, after the season, just tons of questions surrounding his arm. Um, and he seemed to answer those questions in the combine because uh, he actually has a cannon, but he just seems more consistent on the run. Uh, I, I like the pick. Yeah, and uh, Seth, so you said that you think Tagovailoa is the best all-around quarterback in the draft, mm-hmm. um, but injuries are a red flag. If you had the option, like if you were an NFL GM, if you had the option between Tagovailoa and Burrow, who would you choose personally? Without injuries? Like just based on no, – consi- No, if if you were just – if you were a GM – and you had to choose one of the two mm-hmm. with injuries, with every factor involved, who would you pick? I'm taking Burrow. I think it's just the safer pick. Um, he's stayed healthy, and he can. he's shown that he can be one of the best QBs in the NFL. I think both of them are extremely talented. I think Tua has just a little more – he's a little more mobile and has more uh, strength with his arm. Um, like you saw when he was a freshman coming in, just his arm was insane. Um, and he only uh, that's only gotten better. But just these these injury concerns are just, like I said, just huge red flags. Um, so Burrow's probably one of the safer picks you can make there. All right. Next pick. Number six. All right. All right. So six, I am going to uh, for the Chargers. Um, I, I, I question this a lot. They have multiple options here. They could go the route of just taking the best overall player, which would be either Isaiah Simmons or. Derek Brown. Um, I'm not sure who they have at the top of their board, but you have to think about the fact that the Chargers aren't necessarily a bad team. This is a team that's one year removed of making the playoffs. Um, so when it comes down to it, they're probably not going to be in a position like this to get a long-term quarterback, um, at least with the talent of Tua. Um, so they're at number six here. They can They can hit a home run with this pick. Um, or they could strike out and it really wouldn't make that big of a difference because they could try again, maybe in free agency or something. But if they can hit the home run with Tua and he doesn't get injured and he shows what he showed at Alabama, um, when he was healthy, um, that's just an amazing pick. Uh, it's a steal, especially at number six. Cause like I said before, this is a guy who is arguably the most talented quarterback in the whole draft. Yeah. So yeah. And I think San Diego or, 
former San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> I, that still gets me. And I'm going to be saying Oakland Raiders forever, too, just by force of habit. But uh, the Chargers, uh, offensive line is an issue. Uh, obviously, Phillip Rivers last season, uh, he got beaten pretty bad. He didn't have a lot of time to throw. He got forced into making a lot of quick decisions, which resulted in a lot of interceptions. Uh, so I think having that kind of weak offensive line, assuming we have a season and assuming Tagovailoa is going to be the starter for the Chargers and not Tyrod Taylor due to either play or injuries or experience or whatever. I don't know why they would start Tyrod Taylor over Tagovailoa for any reason except health, but I digress. I, I think having kind of a weak offensive line could be a recipe for disaster with him given his injury concerns. Mm-hmm. And just no, for a young quarterback in general, because I mean, if it rushes an old quarterback like Philip Rivers into making quick decisions that throwing picks, it could be a nightmare for a guy like Tagovailoa, who isn't like a super high IQ prospect who can mm-hmm. get over having a bad offensive line like a guy like Andrew Luck could uh, for yeah. his first couple seasons with the Colts. And he didn't get over the fact of getting battered by the bad offensive line either and ending his career. So uh, I feel like that's a good pick for St. God, Los Angeles Chargers, uh, given just needing a quarterback and his talent. And if it works, then you've probably made a home run. But uh, I think there are a couple potentially big pitfalls uh, for Tagovailoa in Los Angeles. Definitely. Um, and I think with the offensive line concerns, they also like – with being the sixth pick in the first round, that also means that they're going to be um, – well, they're the fifth pick in the second round. So they're up there. They could snag a good offensive lineman there. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the way that things are in the NFL, usually you start with the quarterback and then you build from there, um, kind of like what the Giants are doing now. Sure. Um, so next up we have Carolina. And, I mean, Isaiah Simmons kind of just falls into their lap right here. Um this is a guy, you know, right after Chase Young, I'd put him as the best the best player in the draft because I mean his his athletic ability um and he can like he can play linebacker, he can play safety. It, it's really up to the defense where they want to put him, but like you could really use him in any defensive scheme. Um really safe pick. I think this guy's going to be a multi-time all-pro, potential Hall of Famer. Um I love this guy. Yeah, and I think the reason why he slips that far down to Carolina would just be because of fit, like wanting right. a quarterback or wanting an offensive lineman over a defensive guy like that, and that defensive guy not being Chase Young. So, yeah, I think yep. he's a really good pick, too. Of course, we saw a lot of really just incredible plays from him last season, especially in that uh, college football playoff. Mm-hmm. All right, so number eight, we have Arizona here. And a couple days ago, the report started – this is when I was in the middle of making this. Um, reports started to come out that Denver's, like, really looking at trading up to eight or ten. Um, and Arizona, keep in mind, doesn't have a second-round pick. So I have them trading down to 15. Denver moves up to eight and snags Jerry Judy um, from Alabama. Um, and this is – I mean – for a team that's really like they're still on that rebuild, um, and during those those runs with Peyton Manning, we saw how important the wide receiver position was with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. 
So if you have Drew Locke now as your quarterback and you're bringing in Jerry Judy, who, like, this is another guy who could potentially be the best wide receiver in the NFL at some point. Um, like, that's that's a huge building block, and it's moving – it's just a really excels them in the right direction. Um, and I think the playoffs, like, you could definitely see for them in the next couple of years. Yeah, Jerry Judy, here's a guy who I'm sure you remember in the Citrus Bowl this year, Alabama. Uh, they took on Michigan, and Michigan was up at halftime in that game. But in the second half, Jerry Judy just absolutely torched that Michigan secondary and you know had the game of his life, absolutely showed out. So I think it was a great pick. I think he is the best wide receiver in college football heading into the draft. Yeah, I mean, and there have also been quite like with CD Lamb too. Th- this draft is just loaded, and it's kind of hard to say like who you'd want. It's really up to fit. Um, Judy's a little more as like of a traditional wide receiver, um, I guess you could say. Um, CD's a little more like explosive after the catch, um, but those are two guys, just amazing picks, and I think they're both going to be great in the NFL. Um, really, just up to the team there. Mm-hmm. So number nine, Jacksonville, you know, this is another one where it's like just this great player just falling right into your lap. Um, I have them taking Derek Brown from Auburn. Um, you know, this draft is just so loaded with talent. Um, and the fact that Isaiah Simmons is, a, is the seventh pick here, and then I have Derek Brown falling all the way to nine. Um, like these are guys that could be top three picks in other drafts. Um like, I think this guy, he's huge, one. Um, but his athleticism for his size is just insane. Um, and I think he would just make any defensive line better. He's kind of a guy where, like, everyone on the defense just goes around you. Like, he, he's just the guy you stick him in there and it changes everything. Um, so I think he's going to – I mean, D-line is a huge problem for the Jaguars last year. Um, he's going to come in there and make an immediate impact – um, and really change that whole Jaguars D. All right, and let's round it out at number 10. So then number 10, Cleveland, definitely going to take an offensive lineman. Um, if they take any other position, like, they're just extremely dumb. Um, so I have them taking Worfs here. As I said before, he's just, you know, he's great, athletic, quick. Um, but he can also play either tackle or guard. So – I mean, he's, he's probably best at right tackle. But for Cleveland, they have him. You can really put him at any any spot on that O-line, um, and he'll do pretty well. Um, just a great piece for Baker Mayfield and that Browns offense. All right. So that's our top ten. Uh, do you guys have any comments on any of those picks or anything you want to expand on? Yeah, I, I think that's yeah, it all I for me. I agree with that statement. I really don't have anything to really comment on. All right. Yeah. So that's the top 10. Uh, Now let's kind of get into some of our big 10 guys and some of the guys who we watched play a lot last season and teams really. So I want to start with the team who we talk about the most on this show and for good reason. And that's Ohio state who I think will have a ton of players taken. And Seth, I'm curious about your opinion on this, but I know I have one and I know Reed has one. Who do you think is outside of the guys like Jeff Akuda and uh, Chase Young, who do you think is the guy from Ohio State in this draft who we're going to be talking about like five years down the line? 
that isn't Young or Akuda. Yeah, because those guys are like home run hits. Like, who is your mm-hmm. almost most slept on Ohio State player? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have to go with Damon Arnett. This is a guy that I've had in the first round in past mocks. Um, I don't have him here, but I think he could easily slip into the first round. Um, should be an early second round pick. Um, you know, this is a guy, I mean, especially with, with Trevon Diggs falling on boards, this is a guy who's kind of creeping up and up, and teams are really liking him. Um, very under the radar, especially when you have Jeff Okuda um, in your secondary, who's kind of taking all the spotlight. Um, you kind of miss that consistency that Arnett um, shows every single game. Um, he's just a quality corner, and I think he could have a great NFL career. Yeah, and like we were talking about earlier, that's my pick too, uh, by the way. And I would say Ohio State produces the best defensive backs pretty much every year. And getting a guy from there in your defensive backfield, I think that's a home run just about every time. And uh, I think he's got to be the guy. Yeah, and uh, I know you weren't asking me this question, but I kind of feel like this would be a good time to bring up KJ Hill Mm. because this is a player – um, who last season he didn't really get the ball as much as he did uh, the previous season just because um, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave being star wide receivers on Ohio State too, you know, one guy, you got four or five extremely talented wide receivers. You can't give one guy the ball all the time. But if you look at some of, some of Hill's highlights from his junior season, um, and if you look at the, some of the film from the senior bowl, I mean, he's – I think he's extremely slept on. Um, I don't think he's uh, Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb level. Like, I don't think he deserves that kind of hype. But I feel like if put on the right team, he'll definitely have a huge impact um, in the league. And, I mean, he he just is – he's such an athletic player. And he, he can just make spectacular mm-hmm. catches. And he's just a reliable player. And, um, and, you know, you, there was, you didn't see very much from last season just because, like I said, um, such a deep wide receiving uh, unit at Ohio State. But this is definitely a player I would say keep your now, eye Reed, on. how would you compare him to uh, Terry McLaurin or Paris Campbell, the two big OSU receivers taken last year? I think he's definitely better than both of them. Mm. Um, I think. Or I, I don't actually, know about McLaurin and McLaurin. McLaurin popped he off. He did, in the NFL, and Campbell. Like, Campbell, we season, didn't see much of last year due to injury yeah. on the Colts. Yeah. I think I would say undisputedly, KJ Hill is a better receiver than Paris Campbell. Yeah. Um, and two seasons ago, um, the year uh, it was the year Ohio State won the Rose Bowl. Um, McLaurin, Paris Campbell, KJ Hill were all. Um, playing in the same offense. And I think that season, uh, I believe it was Hill's junior year. Mm-hmm. That was the year they, they uh, beat Washington. Maybe I'm not 100% sure. Correct. But, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and those three were all featured in the same offense. I, I always viewed KJ Hill as the best player, uh, the focal point of that offense, other than obviously Dwayne Haskins. Um, so I think Haskins, or I mean, I think uh, McLaurin had a great fit on the Redskins with his college quarterback, Haskins. Um, so it, I think it kind of depends on who KJ Hill ends up with, but I think KJ Hill definitely has more potential than both of those receivers. And I think Paris Campbell's good, but his his main asset, really, all he is is just a he's speed a gadget. guy. I think, and yeah, and KJ Hill, I think he's just more than that. He can he's he has speed, he has 
strength, just pure athleticism, and just some ridiculous hands. Um, so I think KJ Hill is the best out of those three, although McLaurin, I think, is a very close second. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, with those guys, also, I think you have to talk about uh, the other focal point of that 2018 Ohio State offense and even the 2019 Ohio State offense and the 2017 Ohio State offense. That's the three-year starting running back, J.K. Dobbins, uh, yeah. who was an elite player at Ohio State and one of pretty much across the board, the top two or three running backs in the draft. And if it's not him who you would say is the best running back, then it's for most people, Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, of course, broke all the records and just was incredible at UW. And we saw Reed, you and me, we saw those two guys play against each other. And I would say they, they both played well in that Big Ten title game from what I recall. But I want to hear what you all have to say on this. Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins? Seth, you want to yeah, so take actually, this one first? I have DeAndre Swift as my number one running back. Um, <laughs> I think teams have really just fallen in love with um, Georgia's system with their running backs, um, coming out with Gurley and Chubb in the past few years. Um, I mean, this uh, – I don't see multiple running backs being taken in round one, but I think it's really – you could go either way with Swift, Taylor, or Dobbins. Um, really depends on your system. Um, you know, I'm just a fan of of the consistency that Georgia brings with their NFL running backs. So I'm always going to favor them um, when taking someone. And Swift, is it's not someone that's like, oh, like DeAndre Swift. Like, like this is a guy who's shown that he's capable of being a consistent running back in the NFL. Um, but they're all great. Um, I'd, I'd probably go Dobbins after that and then Taylor. Yeah, and um, I think on the whole Taylor versus Dobbins, um, I guess, debate, I think it's really hard to decide one of the two because they're both um, obviously very talented players. But I think even despite the fact that J.K. Dobbins was a Heisman contender last season, I think he was still slept on a little bit. I don't think people realized fully how impactful of a player he was. And I don't even think I did until he went down the Fiesta Bowl and Ohio State couldn't do anything without Mm -hmm. Dobbins. And, I mean, I think one of the – one of the best games you can watch uh, to really see who J.K. Dobbins is as a player is the first their first meeting with Wisconsin last season in the shoe. Uh, it was rainy, and J.K. Dobbins just showed some ridiculous strength. And it was he just muscled through the Wisconsin defense. Um, he just played. He was just extremely tough, and I think. Um, I think that's just a textbook example of how um, how Dobbins can improve a team. And I think if you want to see, um, well, you know, one of the best ways to see how impactful a player is is how they perform without him. And we saw in the Fiesta Bowl, um, although there were a few factors that made Ohio State sort of go on a, on a decline, including Sean Wade getting ejected, I think – if J.K. Dobbins plays for the remainder of that game or even for one more quarter, Ohio State pulls away with a win. Mm-hmm. So it's you can just tell what he means to Ohio State, who was already one of the best teams in the nation. So I feel like he definitely has a lot of potential that an NFL team can No, use. my favorite thing about J.K. Dobbins 
Um, it's his commitment to getting better because you saw like his um, he like he was a senior this year, right? Or, or was he? A... This is uh, he was a junior. Okay. Well, he's his young, sophomore year, his freshman year, he came out and he was amazing. And then sophomore year, he he went into a little bit of a slump. Um, and then this past season, we really saw him just explode like into his own. Um, and that was because he was just committed to getting better and committed to winning. And like, it's that attitude that creates superstar players in the NFL. Um, and that's exactly the type of running back you want on your team. Um, you know, there's not much else to say about that, but that's my favorite thing. And like his effort that he brings every single week is just amazing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And as I uh, go ahead, Patrick. Okay. Yeah. I was going to get my two cents on it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Dobbins, I, I, I was saying the same thing with you, Reed, on the Fiesta Bowl. I think that Ohio State offense just kind of fell apart after the Dobbins injury. Of course, Justin Fields threw an interception. That doesn't happen usually. And I think a lot of that was because – not because Master Teague's a bad running back, but because J.K. Dobbins just brings something to the table that you really can't find in a lot of players. He is a really gifted runner, and he's – I think he's – the word I would use to describe him is kind of bouncy. He he can bounce around. He hits the hole. He's fun to watch, and, and he's a threat out of the backfield too, I think. So he he's a, an element that anybody would want in their offense. And, you know, Taylor, I, I think Taylor was an incredible college football player, and I'm not trying to knock him when I say I'm not too convinced on him at the NFL level, and I was for a little bit, but the more I've thought about it, I, I think that of every Wisconsin running back, and I hate to generalize all Wisconsin running backs into one trope, but how many of them have been elite record-breaking players in college and then done next to nothing in the NFL? I mean, how many Wisconsin running backs have we seen do something in the NFL in the last 10, 12 years? Melvin Gordon, and that's about it. Monte Ball flamed out after a year and a half, I think. Corey Clement. Corey Clement, Yeah. I, I guess, but I don't know how to feel about that. I think Wisconsin is great at having good college football running backs. And then when they get to the league, things are just different. So I don't know about Taylor. He's obviously a very good player, but I don't know about taking him that early. And the other thing is if I were an NFL GM, I don't want to take a running back in the first or second round, just because I don't think it's that valuable of a position. And I think it's one, that you can find value later on and also one that you can just, it's just not as important any, and that's been proven over the last couple of years. And I mean, new England hasn't had a true like workhorse back. They've been doing the running back by committee thing and it's worked for them. So Mm -hmm. I'm just not sold on running back as being the number one position of need in the first or second round for any team. Yeah. And the chiefs just won a super bowl with Damian Williams. So yeah, exactly. So I, and if you want to take a running back, there are so many good players available in the fourth and fifth round pretty much every year. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I think the best strategy in the NFL draft is taking, if you really want a running back, taking one in the fourth or fifth round and then taking one in the seventh, because odds are one of them will at least be serviceable. All right. So I don't mean to interrupt here, but yeah, I agree. Um, the Patriots did oh, just trade it. Gronk to the Bucks. Shit. Oh, we've got breaking news on the yeah. program. So is it Rob Gronkowski's coming out of retirement to play in Tampa? 
Yeah. Does so, this change your mock at all? Uh, well, I didn't have any tight ends going in the first round anyway. I, I think, wouldn't expect that. Yeah. Um, yeah, not really. I still think Tampa should go O-line here. I mean, Gronk's obviously a great person to have blocking and stuff, but um, yeah, I don't think this really changes anything because we weren't really expecting him to come out of retirement or anything. No, it's it's very unexpected. And any word on what uh, New England's return is? So they are getting – it's a Gronk and a seventh rounder to the Bucks for a fourth, which kind of seems like a steal. Rob Gronkowski, also I mean, he'll be – We also hasn't well, played in a while. He hasn't played in a year plus. Wow. Uh, Rob Gronkowski got traded for a fourth rounder. Uh, that's words I never thought I'd say. But since we're on the topic of tight ends, let's talk about – who has quickly become the number one tight end uh, in the draft. That's Bryson Hopkins, big-time player out of Purdue University, of course, Nashville, Tennessee, Endsworth High School. Uh, I want to talk about Hopkins a little bit because I think the memory for me that sticks out the most was in that bucket game this year against Indiana in the last week of the season. Uh, in the second half when I would argue IU kind of blew the game, but I mean, they held on and they won it. Obviously Indiana won the old Oakland bucket, but uh, Bryson Hopkins and David Bell, those guys absolutely torched Indiana for the whole second half. And it was Hopkins, especially up the middle on, you know, 10 yard slants and 20 yard passes uh, who, who really just excelled. And I think he is the number one tight end in this draft for the reason what do you think of Bryson Hopkins? Um, yeah, I think he is the the best tight end in the draft. Um, I mean, this is this is a draft where pretty much every position is loaded with talent. Um, and then when it gets to tight ends, it's you know it's a little iffy. So I don't think I don't even know if we'll see one in the first two days, maybe in round three. Um, but I think Bryson Hopkins, it would be no surprise if he's the first tight end off the board. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a really talented player, and uh, I, I think he will be the first tight end picked, too. And uh, I guess the thing is, we don't have an Iowa tight end this year, at least that I know of. Is there? There's no Iowa there tight ends not. this year, right? Mm-mm. Okay, so you can't pick that one and say that's your number one guy, because in pretty much every other year, you would say, what tight end's coming out of Iowa? We got two last year, so I guess that makes up for it. And speaking of depth, uh, in this draft, wide receiver is probably the position where most people say this is like an all-time deep draft at receiver. Uh, I want to talk about some specific guys, and including my favorite player in the draft, and that's Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota. I absolutely love this guy last season. He was an incredible player, helped Minnesota win 10 games. I think the play that sticks out for me the most, I, there are a couple, but number one for me has got to be I'm sure you guys remember the touchdown catch against Auburn Uh, in the back of the end zone. He just barely gets his toes in. He goes over the top and he's a slot receiver. So you wouldn't expect him to have this kind of verticality, but he goes up and just snags the ball for six points for Minnesota. Uh, He's probably my favorite receiver in the draft. I'm not saying he's the best receiver, but he's just like my guy. Like I am a huge Tyler Johnson guy and I have been all year long. Yeah. I don't really understand why he's so low on boards. Um, yeah, you know this is a guy. I feel like, you know, KJ Hamler is so high up on boards, and I'm a like 
I've always liked Penn State. Um, but this is a guy who I think has better hands than him, has similar quickness, um, yet he's projected to be a few rounds later, like projected in the sixth, seventh round. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I think he's better than more than half of the wide receivers in this draft. Um, I, I would not be surprised, though, if he's picked higher. I think part of the reason why he may be so low right now is just because of how loaded the position is. If it were any of the, if it were any other draft, he'd probably be much higher. Yeah, who are your other guys at wide receiver? Like, I mean, there's obviously the top level guys like C.D. Lamb and uh, Jerry Judy, but like, who is your wide receiver? That's like, this is the guy people should be talking about, and here's why. I mean, yeah, of course, Lamb and Judy, I think, are going could be potential Hall of Famers. Um, Henry Ruggs as well has been in mad discussion I think he's very similar to Tyreek Hill and this is a guy who could be in the middle of the first round potentially um but I think there are guys later on um potential first rounders Justin Justin Jefferson and then my guy would be Jalen Rager from TCU um I think this guy is just extremely underrated little undersized under six foot um but he's another he's another guy similar to Ruggs similar to Tyreek Hill um where he is just insanely quick like crazy after the catch. His hands are are probably his worst trait at the moment, but I mean, that can always be worked on. Um, but his, his potential and like not many people know TCU football that well. Um, but if you watch Jalen Rager, he, like he just looks better than everyone on the field. So that's probably my wide receiver under the radar. Yeah, no, Reger, this is a guy I, – I only watched TCU play, I think, like maybe one time last year, and that was against Purdue, so I didn't see much of him. He only had a couple catches that game, but uh, I've heard a lot of good things about him, and I've seen him get mocked to the Colts a little bit, so I've done a little bit of research on him. So uh, those are some of the big wide receivers. And a guy you touched on earlier from your school, from your team, Penn State, K.J. Hamler, what do you think of him, and uh, what do you project him as at the next level? Well, KJ is, he's a tough prospect. Um, just because when you watch him, like he's very inconsistent and he'll be at the other end of deep bombs. Um, so you'll see him on like a big touchdown or something, which leads you to believe that like, oh, this is a guy who's going to score a lot and always beat his defender. Um, but after watching like every Penn State game of his career, um, like you start to notice that his hands are just bad like he he really can't catch very well um and you know so then I start to think like oh if he can't work at wide receiver in the NFL then he could just be like a great like a return specialist but then that's also not the case because you watch him on kickoff returns and he's just running backwards and like they call him the human joystick which I guess is fair because of how he like runs after the catch um just trying to always like do some like weird like maneuver shit or something but like when he's returning, he tends to just run backwards. It, it just seems like his IQ is completely off and he's always just trying to do the craziest like shit possible. Um, so I don't love, you know, I really don't love him as an NFL wide receiver. Um, he was good at Penn state. I think he should have stayed another year because I think he has a ton to work on and I think his stock could go up. Um, but if he's put in the right system, you know, he's still a good, a good receiver. Like he, he, he probably won't be bad, but 
there are just a lot of guys here who I think are much more consistent, have a lot more upside. Yeah, and uh, I, I saw a lot of that with Hamler too. But um, oh, here's here's a fun question with that: Which KJ do you prefer, Hill or Hamler? I mean, I'm always going to take Penn State over Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going Hamler. Yeah. All right, and speaking of Penn State again, uh, what other guys from Penn State do you think we should keep an eye on in this draft? Like, who are your Penn State players to watch? Yeah, I think Gross Matos for sure um, is the biggest name to watch um, from Penn State. Uh, you know, this guy, his just his body and his build is almost perfect. It's just perfect for um, the edge rusher position in the NFL. He showed this year a ton of improvement on um, pass rushes. And uh, I think that he just fits the prototype for what the NFL is kind of looking at for defensive ends. And I think especially if he goes to a team like Seattle or something, he'll be able to fit that system very well. So, I mean, Gross Matos is definitely someone. I think John Reed um, is DB. That's definitely someone to watch in in the later rounds. It's not too loaded for Penn State players this year, um, but I think there could be some surprises for sure, like there always are. Yeah, and Gross Matos, you talk about Seattle a little bit as a fit. I think that is a perfect situation for him. Of course, Pete Carroll, an elite coach, a guy who can uh, get the most out of talent, and I think he would kind of step into a starting role day one in Seattle because a word on the street is Jadavian Clowney won't be back there next season, so... Uh, I think he's a great fit there, and I agree. I think he can be a very good defensive end. He's certainly got the intangibles. Yeah, and he's very similar to Epinesa from Iowa. Um, I think, well, Epinesa, for one, is just a little bit bigger, um, but Gross Matos is quicker. They both show the the same kind of traits. Um, Gross Matos may be a little more consistent um, and maybe has a little more potential. I think Epinesa is more of a guy, though, that you'll be able to look towards day one um, for a positive impact. I think Gross Matos could definitely start his rookie year, um, but he definitely has some things he needs to work on, um, like with his pass rushing, uh, which he has shown improvement on over time. Um, But those are definitely similar prospects. All right. Uh, Any other topics you guys want to hit on? Because I think I've just got a couple players, like kind of generally I want to talk about, but, Griffin Reed, any like specific zones you want to go to, or Seth, you too? Um, from, I mean, you can go right ahead. Yeah, I think you're good because uh, you're covering the players that you want to talk about. I'm sure we'll have some similar players. Yeah, so the first guy I want to talk about, I forgot about him when I was talking about wide receivers. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, DPJ out of Michigan, guy we talked about a lot this season. One of the big play threats for the Wolverines. Uh, what do we think about DPJ at the next level? How does he project? Uh, what's what's your take? I mean, it's the same thing with guys like KJ Hill um, and Tyler Johnson, where it's just like these are talented wide receivers who are going to have their stock hurt just because of the number of talented wide receivers in this draft. Um, it's kind of just pushing them back. And you have to keep in mind, too, that teams are still going to go for their team needs. They're not necessarily going to take the best overall player. Um, But this is a guy that I think could definitely have a successful NFL career. Um, And he showed that at Michigan, it was kind of hard to really 
show his true potential when he had Shea Patterson throwing to him. Um, so I think if he's put in the right system, he has a consistent quarterback. Um, that's a guy I think could be great at the next level. Yeah. Honestly, I kind of disagree about people Jones, and I, I feel like it could be my <laughs> anti-Michigan bias, but he just did not impress me in his college career. And if you want to talk about a Michigan receiver who's impressive, he's not in the draft right now because he's still going to be playing for Michigan next year. But Nico Collins, he he really impressed me. Both times Ohio State has played Michigan the past few seasons, I've had my eye on him because he's just an absolute threat. Um, and I believe he scored two or three touchdowns um, two seasons ago against Ohio State. Um, and he's – I don't know. There's just something about him where I look at him uh, and he passes the eye test for me. I see a talented player – um, a playmaker, and I don't really see that with People Jones, and maybe that's just because People's Jones wasn't on the field as much this season. Um, but I don't know. I don't believe in People's Jones. I think People's Jones in the right fit could be good, but I do prefer Nico Collins to him as well. Uh, and and I I agree with Seth when he said without Shea Patterson as his quarterback, because I'm not a huge Shea Patterson guy. I never have been, and I'm not really big on any of the Big Ten quarterbacks in this draft. I don't think Nate Stanley is all that impressive. Brian Lewerke was just bad last season, and uh, Shea Patterson was pretty thoroughly mediocre yeah. to bad at Michigan. Yeah, yeah although I, I mean, wouldn't call I wouldn't call about... Patterson mediocre, but I think as an NFL prospect, he's pretty under the under the median, and uh, as a college player, he was very okay. N- not he was like eye catching. Yeah, I I think Patterson. I think he was extremely overrated, and some people were. He had his. He, he had was his even game. talking smack to Justin Fields. He was. He was talking smack to Justin That's Fields funny. early in the season, which is ridiculous because Justin Fields he's going to win the Heisman next season, and Shea Patterson. I mean, you know, I don't know. Shea Patterson doesn't. You no, know, Patterson had his games, but when it mattered, he did not show up. He didn't show up against Ohio State. He didn't show up in the bowl games. Oh yeah, absolutely not. I mean, he really didn't show up in bowl games. I mean, they got in that first half against. Alabama, maybe he showed up, you could argue, but in the second half, he disappeared in that Florida Bowl game two years ago. Nowhere to be found. I, I'm i still mad about that game because I I was, I didn't think Florida was all that. I was like, you know what? Michigan's okay. And they just embarrassed me. And I was, I was, I mean, we didn't have a podcast at this point, so I wasn't spewing out my thoughts on Michigan, but I was, I was high on Michigan to win that game. I thought they were going to win it big and they just blew it. And I, I'm still pissed off about that. Shea Patterson, I'll always hold a grudge against him just because I like to see Michigan win uh, when they're not playing Ohio State because it makes Ohio State look good, especially, well, mainly in bowl games. But, yeah, Shea Patterson, he's not it. I think his – I mean, I feel like he's – he'd be a good XFL player, I'd say. But Rest in peace. He's, he's – I feel like he could take the Cardell Jones route of being a third stringer, get a little preseason action for a few years. Then go I feel like it's hard to even know, compare him to Cardell Jones. Like I, he's just – when I watched Michigan games, I was so yeah. unimpressed with Shea Patterson. It was just so many times you would see a guy like Nico Collins or Peoples-Jones wide open down the field, and either Shea Patterson's going to be too afraid to throw the long ball or just miss him by like 10 or 15 feet. Like it wasn't even close. Uh, and you just can't do that at the next level. 
it's not like a thing where like Tom Brady, yeah, like, I don't, you know, sixth round pick or whatever, like where Shea Patterson could also be picked later, like in later rounds and stuff. But you know, this is a guy I really have no hope for at the next level. Um, yeah. And Seth, I want to ask you about a player. Um, I'm going to go outside of the Big Ten for this one, just because I'm kind of curious about your take on him, because we were talking about running backs earlier. How do you feel about Clyde? Yeah, I mean, I love him. Um, I think he's another guy that could creep into the second round for sure. Um, He's big and he's quick. Uh, There's not much to like. I mean, there's not much to dislike there. Um, You know, the the top four running backs are all extremely talented. Um, Swift, Taylor, Dobbins, and him. you know, it really comes down to team fit and where they're looking to go with their offense. Yeah, I think um, Edwards Alaire reminds me of J.K. Dobbins a little bit, yeah. just from a strength aspect, because he can just uh, he can just completely knock guys over um, and make plays with his strength. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on him, and. That's, I think there's some good running back talent, but yeah, like we've said earlier, it's just hard to pick someone who's the best because, you know, you got Swift, Dobbins, Taylor, and Edward Zilaire, all guys who could have an impact if put on the right and team. And then there's Zach Moss, too, um, from Utah, Santana Moss's son. And, like, he's another guy I think that's very under the radar right now. They're just these, – these running backs kind of aren't being highlighted just yeah. because – of their lack of like fire power early in the first round, just because of how loaded every other position is. So I think this draft is really going to go down mm-hmm. as one of the best of all time. Um, at least on paper for right now, it's just insane. The level of talent that's coming in. Yeah, I agree. I think this is an all timer of a draft. There's just so many good players who I think we've said this more times than we can count at this point of, this guy is super talented, but he's going to drop because there's so many talented yeah. players. And uh, you can't say that some years. And this is like an all-time receiver class. It's an all-time uh, like defensive line class. There's so many good players. And I'm really excited to see how it unfolds. And hopefully it goes off without a hitch since it's going to be going on over Zoom or whatever. <laughs> I don't know how they can't just like use a phone and call like Goodell when the pick is in. Like, I don't know how there's so many technical issues with this that we've heard about, but that's beyond me. It's going to be interesting. The WNBA sure. draft went off fine the <laughs> other day, apparently. So uh, maybe if, if the WNBA can pull it off, I hope the Shield can. But I'm really excited for this draft. It's really the one sports thing we've got right now, at least pertaining to sports of now and tomorrow. Uh, and All right, last player I want to talk about. Uh, we didn't get a chance to bring him up earlier, but he was another big part of the Minnesota Renaissance this season. Uh, we talked about him all season long. Antoine Winfield Jr. This is my favorite player in the draft besides Tyler Johnson. I mean, I'm a big on the Minnesota guys, but it, Winfield and Johnson, I don't see how they aren't going to be good in the NFL. Yeah, I think when you look at the talent aspect of Winfield Jr., um, there really aren't any questions his IQ is off the charts. His experience now is great. Um, he's consistent in both the run and pass game, great in zone coverage. I think when it comes down to it, you really just have to look at his injury history uh, because 
from his sophomore to junior year. Sophomore year, he had that uh, the hamstring injury after four games, which ended the season. And then the year after that, he had a foot injury, which after four games, which ended his season. Um, so there's no question that he's an extremely talented player. And I think if he didn't have those injuries, this is a guy you could see potentially in the top 10. Um, but there's just so many questions surrounding that. And if he can stay healthy, um, you know, a lot of a lot of scouts are just skeptical about that. Yeah, and that's the thing. And like we said, being such a deep draft, there are other guys in that position or group of positions who might be a little bit safer because of the injuries, whereas in another year, teams would be more willing to take the risk with the talent. Yeah, right. But I think if he is health, if he's able to stay healthy and he he does what he did last season for Minnesota, like I think he could be one of the best safeties in the NFL for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, that's all for me. Griffin, read anything from you guys? No, I have nothing really to say. Uh, that's all I got. All right, actually, Seth, one more thing. You're an Eagles fan. Who is your dream pick for the Eagles? Well, actually, I'm a Jets fan, but I can't answer that for you. I can't Jets answer fan? that question for you, though. You're a Jets fan. I messed up. Okay. My bad. I... Do you cheer for any of the Philadelphia teams or just New York? I, I mean, swore. well, I have that Eagles hat. <laughs> That's why I got it. Yeah, you wore an Eagles hat last, last I can, summer. I can still That's answer that question for you, though. Who do you, who do you want for the well, Jets? I can answer the Eagles, too, if you really want me to. Answer okay. the Eagles. For Why Eagles, not? I mean, I think I they set up. I guess I confused Penn State. My bad. For Eagles, I think they need to go receiver there. Um, I think the dream pick there would be Henry Ruggs. Very similar to, to Deshaun Jackson. Um, could just fit the system really well. Fans would love him. Um, but the odds of him falling down to 21 are just extremely slim. So if they're going to want a chance at Ruggs, they're going to have to either trade up or just hope for someone else similar to him, maybe like Jalen Rager. All right, and uh, do you want to talk about the Jets, Yeah, and then too? the Jets. I mean, I'd go Mekhi Becton. I think, you know, if you want to protect Sam Darnold, why don't you just give him the biggest O-lineman in the draft? Um, he's extremely athletic. Um, he's huge. He's strong. Um, this is a guy I think could definitely be a pro bowler his first season in the yeah. NFL. Yeah, and hopefully – your favorite team, no matter which of the 32 it is, makes the right pick this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, unlike I did when it came to picking which team Seth cheers for. My bad. It's all good. <laughs> all right, Seth, anything else from you no, before we go? That's it. You have anything you want to plug? Uh, no. All right, that's it. Seth, thanks for, thanks for having me.